Does it ever feel like you simply cannot keep up with the demand to make more and more and more content? There's a reason for that. And today my guest Tara McMullen and I are chatting about how you can change that in your business. Welcome to Big Fun Content, the show that helps you stand out from everyone else in your industry by building a brand you love and creating content that's impossible to ignore. I'm your host, Deanna Seymour, a graphic designer who creates high-energy visuals and short-form videos for some of the sassiest, boldest, most rebellious online businesses out there. Are you ready to up the fun in your content? Let's get started. Hey, Tara, how's it going? Good. It's going great. (laughs) Okay. I am not going to waste any time. I want to dive right in. And I want to talk about this idea that I've seen you talking about in your Substack. Just the idea. And I think we don't always think of it this way. So I'm like, light bulb moment. The idea of free labor and exploitation when it comes to social media and content creation. So I know you have lots of thoughts on that, but I just wanted to (laughs) jump in and be like, girl, let's dish. What's up? Tell me yeah. the basics of that. Yeah. So the basics really start with the business model of the social media platforms. I think it's very easy to think that these social media platforms were built for us so that we could share our lives so that we could share our relationships so that we could share about the kind of work that we do or the kind of business that we have. And I mean, that is the message that they put out there, that these things were created for us. But the business model says something very different. The business model says these platforms were created to understand how you behave online so that we can take that behavior, turn it into data, aggregate that into audiences and interests, and then turn around and sell ad space based on those audiences and interests. And that's, I know that sounds like super cynical, but that's just the objective reading of why these businesses exist and how they make money. So then we have to ask, okay, well, where does this behavior come from? Because that is all data is. You know, we talk about data and we think it's numbers and it's like it's these weird correlations, but at the end of the day, all data is, is activity, behavior. And so that happens in a couple of different ways. It happens, of course, in everything that we like, everything that we share, everything that we comment on. But that activity is also the content we produce for these platforms. And that doesn't have to be content in terms of like promotional content. It can be those, you know, silly updates or, you know, updates that we think of as jokes now, like this is what I ate for lunch or here's the cute thing my cat did. That's still content that is helping those companies understand who we are so that they can sell us so that they can sell ads to get in front of us. What that means then is the very thing that these companies are selling is the thing that we are creating for them. So we are creating the content and we are creating the activity that turns into data that can then be sold. And in any other business model, (laughs) the people who create the product are considered employees and are compensated for that work. Mm -hmm. But in the social media business, that work is not compensated. That work is assumed to be free 
and assumed to be done out of the goodness of our hearts. Yeah. Uh, instead of making the product that they sell. Would you also say that maybe they act like they're paying, like there's sort of like an unwritten, we're getting something, the thing that we're getting out of it, especially as business owners, what we think we're getting out of it or what we've maybe been told, not directly by social media, but maybe by other people we follow online is that we're getting, I mean, I guess we are getting free exposure, but there's definitely like, they make us feel like we're getting something, right? But like the more it goes on, I'm like, uh, whatever we're getting is not enough. It's not worth it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes, they are providing themselves as a service or they're positioning themselves as a service to us. This is how you can connect with family. It's how you can connect with friends. And yes, for business owners, freelancers, independent workers, this is how you can connect with clients or potential customers. But... Again, when you look at the business model, when you look at where their money flows, it does not flow in that direction. And that's not true, actually, of every platform, right? So like YouTube has this long and fairly strong history of not compensating people necessarily for the content that they create, but actually compensating people financially for the viewership or the watch time that creators earn or create for them through profit sharing on ads. That to me says, is an acknowledgement that this platform would not exist. This business model would not exist without creator generated content. And yes, there is a little bit of a gamble there as a creator. You don't know if the content that you're going to create is going to earn back that revenue share on ads, but at least you're kind of working on spec, right? <laughs> but with platforms like Instagram and Facebook, where there is absolutely no revenue share. Instagram played with a little bit around Reels bonuses, but for the most part, there's no revenue share at all. There's no way to actually generate income from the content that you create. It's like the, the money just does not support the notion that they are creating something that benefits us beyond having targeted ads put in front of us, right? Like at this point, the real benefit that they're providing us with is showing us ads that aren't completely out of left field. I don't know about you, but that does not feel like a service to me. No, no. Like, thank you so much for giving me those ads. Yes. Well, and okay, on your Substack, you've also talked about the fact that we're living in a time when social media feels broken and relationships have become very transactional which is kind of what you're mm -hmm. touching on here. But if you wanted to expand on that, especially maybe through the lens of somebody like me, who's maybe a business owner or trying to use this platform. And it almost feels like the ask keeps getting bigger and bigger, you know, post once a week. At first, just hang out with your family and friends like, oh, now you can use it for this. Oh, keep going, like keep posting. And I don't know anything about algorithms or I really don't feel like lots of people, most of us don't know. I feel like they don't, I'm like, nobody knows about the algorithm, spoiler alert. But it does feel like the pressure to create more and more is kind of sneaking in for at least for business owners. I think they feel that. Yeah, certainly. So again, we have to ask, what is, what's the point of creating more and more? We've learned 
to tell ourselves that the point of creating more and more is that every time we create something new, it's an opportunity to connect with new people or it's the potential to create with new people. But for a platform, the more we create, the more content they have, the more activity there is, and the more data there is, and the more precise that targeting can become, the more they learn about us and about the people that we're connected to. There's also, there's layers here too, right? There are, there's the person who's just going out and trying to find a couple of clients for their coaching business or their graphic design business. But then there are the people, which is actually what I wrote about today, that are selling how to do those things, right? How to find the clients on social media, how to build an audience on social media. And they're also contributing to the push for more and more and more. And what sort of the, there's a lot of different kind of consequences or ripple effects out from this. But one of them is that the more we create, the more that creating becomes really about creating conformity. So the more we create, the less likely we are to say something truly unique, you know, kind of represent our weirdness or our freak flags in any meaningful way. And that's because the platforms and the way that they, the way that they work, the strategies that we're told to use have this conforming effect so that ads can be better targeted to us. The more we create, the more standardized that content has to become. And it's one of the reasons too that we're really talking about the dangers of AI in terms of the content that's going out on the web. Because again, this is a mode in which we can become more and more standardized. And the more standardized we become, the more predictable we become, the more these platforms can sell us what they want to sell us or the way more advertisers can sell us what they want to sell us. I think another sort of consequence or ripple effect of this imperative to make more and more stuff is that it becomes about making, or let's call it churning out the stuff and less about actually paying attention. Mm -hmm. And this is a real issue, right? And part of the problem with not paying attention just, you know, because you're trying to crank as much stuff out as possible is that you lose the connection that you claim you're there for in the first place. Mm. When you are trying to... Just recently, I in an episode where I was talking about this problem, I quoted um, Gary Vaynerchuk talking, I don't know who he was talking about or what, I don't know what the conditions around him were, but he suggested that every person who's trying to build an audience create 100 pieces of content per day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and. I could not believe this man had said this in public, <laughs> had put it out in a video, a podcast episode. I mean, I have never liked Gary Vaynerchuk. Mm-mm. Never. But that level of stupidity to me, like just blatant stupidity. What is the world that we're creating if we're creating 100 pieces of content today? It is a world in which we are only thinking about ourselves and what we can get out of 
a social media platform, a relationship, an idea, probably someone else's idea, to, to be clear. And that is a world that is not good, right? That is the Wally world. And Wally is all sorts of problematic, but they got that part right. Yeah. And yeah, it, and it's all the reasons that we want to disconnect from social media, right? All of that more makes the web boring. Oh my it gosh. makes it stupid. <laughs> it makes it flat and mediocre. And what do we do? Well, we just disconnect more. And when we disconnect more, we can create more. And then we do these flybys on social media platforms, right? It's like I get in there, I post my thing, and I leave. And I realized this is me now. I realized I was doing this on Instagram where I was spending hours creating, you know, really good posts. Like I felt really good about what I was making on Instagram, but I would go, I wouldn't even go into the app. I would post them on the web. Mm -hmm. And then I would just like, I'd check and see who liked it or who shared it, but I was not using the app. I wasn't using the Instagram community because it's not a community, but I digress. <laughs> and I was like, why am I doing this? Why? If I don't want to be here, why am I making something mm -hmm. for here? And that's largely, that was one of the things that precipitated my move to Substack is like, this is a place where people are talking back and forth to each other. It's a place where my favorite writers are. It's a place where I want to engage. I want to pay attention. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so it's just, I feel like I've completely lost the thread here, but this problem of creating more and more and more has the effect of making us want to unplug more and more and more. And if it's doing that to us, it is also doing it to all the people we hoped we would be connecting with in the process of making all that stuff. So not only are we not liking the experience, but the people that we want to connect with are also not liking the experience. So it's really not good for anybody. No. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about the whole quote, if you're not growing, you're dying. I want to dive into that with you when we come back. If you're listening to this episode and nodding along, but you're not even sure where to go from here, I got you covered. I have something that I like to call your content map. It's an hour with me on Zoom where we figure out all the things you actually want to be doing and how you can build a content plan that won't have you wanting to burn it all down. Head over to yourcontentmap.com to learn more. Now let's get back to the show. Okay. So let's talk about this idea about if you're not growing, you're dying, which is definitely part of this, I guess, 100 pieces of content a day. Like that person's trying to grow into some sort of monster, social media monster. Yeah. But yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. Sure. So I think this idea that, you know, this is one of those sound bites that sort of lives rent free in the back of our head. Like even if we don't necessarily explicitly believe it. It is in the programming and absolutely influences how we think about the world, how we see the world, and, and how we treat ourselves. So the idea is if you're not growing, you're dying. And essentially, that means that you are tasked with 
doing all of the things you need to do to keep growing your business, to keep growing your platform, to keep growing blah, 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 blah. And if you're not doing those things, then you're not just not just sort of like withering into obscurity, but like literally the business is going to make less money. You're going to lose subscribers and ultimately you will wither and die. <laughs> well, um, I always think like, it's ridiculous. Uh, yeah. I always feel like, okay, if I don't keep marketing, what do people say to like in 30 days or 60 days? Like it's going to catch up to me. I'm going to have no discovery calls. Like I feel that pressure mm -hmm. if I'm not doing something. And it's funny too, because I consistently write my weekly emails I, because I love writing my weekly emails. So I don't miss a week. But then when I stop posting on Instagram as much, I do start to get that fear where I'm like, okay, Deanna, get it together. Like you need to post more. You need to post more because if you don't, it's going to catch up to you. <laughs> like you're like, you're kind of yeah. saying it's going to catch up to you. Well, let me ask you, do you get business from Instagram? You know what? Honestly, I think that I do. I think that I okay. I do like Instagram. So I quit all social media and that was the one place I came back to. It was like the place calling me back. But obviously I do wish it was like the old days of Instagram, like before it. That's what they do, right? They trick us into thinking it's like it is for us because it's kind of for us in the beginning and then they like sell it or then it becomes the ad machine. Like, you know, there were no ads on Instagram in the beginning and it really was a place for me to hang out with my friends. So I think I missed that. But yeah, so I actually I wrote about this um, I think towards the end of last year and then earlier this year Cory Doctorow who's a sci-fi writer and a kind of technology critic wrote a piece about the inshitification of TikTok <laughs> and he's been on on the media talking about this idea of how these social media platforms become inshitified. <laughs> And it's it was very much in line with what I had written about, too. And I think this is a really good point, like thinking about how these social media platforms cycle through. And it, and it applies to other platforms as well, like Amazon or Uber. So what happens in the beginning is that a platform is trying to get a beachhead in the market, right? So they are incentivizing user growth. And one of the ways that they can incentivize or even subsidize user growth is by giving you everything you could possibly want from that platform. And what do we want most of all? It's not features. It's attention. We want followers. We want likes. We want comments. We want shares. And so they make that as easy as possible, right, for people to, you know, build that initial audience on their platform. And, and it, gives, it gives them a chance to you know, to feel like, oh, this is the place that I've got to be. This is the place I want to be. And actually, Dr. O has a, a term for this too, and he calls it heating. So heating is this idea that a platform can say, we want more of this kind of person, or like in Instagram's case, we want more reels. We want more video on this platform. So we're going to heat the posts that are reels or the people who are consistently creating reels, we're going to make sure that they're getting maximum exposure. Tweaking the algorithm to allow for that is, is easy for them, right? That is just a lever that they can pull at any time. And so once that happens, we become really entrenched in whatever behavior they were incentivizing. And we tend to take, our take the gas off 
all of the other things that we were doing. Mm -hmm. So back when Instagram was really becoming hot, when, you know, Facebook was really hot and it seemed like this is the place to be, what did people do? They stopped blogging. Mm -hmm. They stopped emailing. They stopped all of these other things that they were doing to build a platform and they just focused on this place that was ostensibly giving them these fantastic results. So that means all of that labor power now is entrenched in these platforms. All of the sort of ancillary things are starting to wither. And then the second phase of enshittification is that they start showing us ads, right? And at first, the ads are fairly inexpensive. They're fairly effective, although we know now that Facebook has lied about all sorts of metrics when it comes to ads and especially when it comes to video. The ad machine gets started. And just like they incentivize user growth, they incentivize the uptake on ads as well. We see ads that we like, we click on them. It doesn't bother us in the least. And then they turn the screw on the ads, right? And ads get more expensive. They get sort of harder to navigate. There's more competition. The price goes up. But what's already happened? Advertisers have become entrenched in the advertising platform. And so they've taken the gas off the other things that they've doing just to focus on this hyper-precise conversion marketing on these platforms. And it gets to the point where All the platform cares about is keeping it just good enough that we don't leave, Mm -hmm. just good enough that we don't stop posting, just good enough that we don't stop advertising. And so we get this shitified (laughs) experience, excuse me, the shitified experience online. And we're like, this isn't what I came here for, but also maybe I can't stop coming here. And for me, like I've just, I've thought a lot about, and I've talked to a lot of people too, in terms of, are you getting anything out of this anymore? Mm -hmm. Did you actually get anything out of it in the beginning? Sure, those fast 500 followers or those fast thousand or even 10,000 followers felt good, right? Because it felt like people were paying attention, but were they? Yeah. And for some people, yes, absolutely. But for a lot of people, no. Yeah. And one of the reasons for that is because we were making stuff that people didn't want to engage with. And we were making that stuff because we thought that's what we were supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. I've found both for myself and for lots of other people that when we take a step back and we say, what do I want to be making? Who do I want to be connecting with? What do I want to be paying attention to? We find that it's not the stuff that we're currently putting on social media. It's not the stuff even that maybe we're putting out on our podcast or in an email. And if we allow ourselves to experiment with what feels kind of risky because it's not what everybody else is doing, we get outsized benefits from slowing down to make something good. And I use good not in terms of like, quality so much as in terms of just something real. Yeah. Something you when feel we make something- like something you wanted to make, not a reel because somebody yes. said you got to make reels or not a quote from your podcast because 
it's easy to repurpose that. Like, do you want to make a quote from like the things I think that's what you mean by good. Just the things you that yes. feel good to that feel good to you that you want to make. Yes. Yeah. The things that you feel satisfied with. You know, I love the concept of satisfaction just in terms of like, I think it is so much more achievable than like happiness or passion or like these buzzwords. But at the same time, it has this effect of like uh, deeply filling a need that we all have. And so like, I'm constantly thinking about, am I satisfied with this essay? Am I satisfied with this episode? Am I satisfied with this idea enough to keep pursuing it? What about, One of the things um, that I wrote- Well, I'm sorry. What about the word proud? Like, would that fit in there too? Like things you feel proud about? Like you're like, I feel good about this. Would that, or is I that too I think it harsh depends on the, no, I think it depends on the person because pride- can be something that we attach more to achievement and more kind of traditional black and white versions of success. But I also think that feeling proud of something can be very similar to feeling satisfied yeah. by or it like as stoked, well. So stoked I, to share it. <laughs> like you want to show somebody, yeah. like you made something and you want, you're like, hey, check out this cool thing I made. I feel like yes, that's my totally. version of satisfied. Like, oh my gosh. For me, it. it's usually funny. I love the word stoked. I'm stoked. When yeah. you're stoked on something. <laughs> yeah. So earlier this year, I wrote about kind of this idea of digital ecology and like, how can we practice digital ecology in the spaces that we inhabit online? And what I mean by that is how can we live in partnership? How can we live in relationship with our digital environments so that we're not just extracting. Like if I show up here, what do I get out of it? What can I take from this place, this landscape? But instead it's what can I give to this landscape? And how does that relationship work back and forth? So, you know, I think a lot about putting the kind of things out into the world, into our digital landscape that I want to be able to walk through or be in relationship with. And I have zero interest in reading quotes from anybody about anything anywhere, mm -hmm. right? Like it is just not interesting to me. I don't care. Mm -hmm. I don't care <laughs> one sentence at a time. Like it just doesn't matter. That is not something I ever want to engage with. So I don't put it out and I don't follow people who do. And I know that probably sounds really harsh, but like, that's me tending my digital environment. That's me saying I'm practicing ecology in this space to create this symbiotic relationship with my environment. And I don't want that here. It's an invasive species, which the problematic term too, but... Oh my gosh. It well, now I want to make a quote of this episode just because of that, <laughs> because I told you I'm stoked when things are funny. And I think that would be funny. Like I want that quote yes. about how you don't want quotes to be a quote. And now we're back to like the quotes funny. So now I we've been incepted <laughs> and I would so post a quote of me saying that I don't want to see quotes on social media. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. Your work is so honestly so interesting and amazing to me. I love if you guys don't listen to Tara's podcast or check her out on Substack if you like to read those kinds of things. It's just like you've done all the work for us to go down a rabbit hole very quickly and easily. Like you just lead us right down through all this whole amazing journey. 
I guess. I don't know. It's really fun. It's hard to describe, but your work is awesome. Thank you. And I'm so happy you were here today. Thank you for being here. And I can't wait to keep staying connected. Yes. Thank you so much. Do you want to connect more with Tara? Head over to whatworkspodcast.com. And that will link you to her podcast, her newsletter, and let you connect with her over on LinkedIn, if that's your jam. Thanks for listening to Big Fun Content. If you like what you heard today, think about pushing that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Also, I would love it if you would leave me a review so more people could find me. Wink, wink. And last but not least, if you want to remain in my world and get some really fun emails in your inbox, head over to deannaseymour.com newsletter to join my email list. See you next time.